Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Voices of Reason. I am Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Hello. And Amy's sitting right over there. And today, we're going to have a candid conversation. We're going back to what was a pretty popular segment, actually, uh, last November. Uh, last year, we talked to some uh, the federal can- candidates for federal office mm-hmm. statewide. But today, we're going to start with the Salt Lake County Mayor's Race. Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City Mayor's yeah. Race. Forgive me. I know I was going to say that because I was certainly thinking city. Jenny Wilson's sweating right now. Jenny she actually is. participated. She, she didn't yeah. even know. Yeah. She did. She was one of the people yeah. that participated with us. Uh, but what's this is kind of a historic election, actually, because there are two women. So we're going to have Salt Lake City will have another female mayor, but this is the first time that actually the final two candidates happen to be uh, ladies. Yeah, and, and I'm super excited about this uh, because we're going to start with uh, Luz. We're interviewing you first. Utah State Senator Luz Escamilla, she mm-hmm. is running. And uh, is this your first time running for mayor? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So uh, we're going to get to know you in this first segment. Um, first, uh, give us a little background about you and who you are, where you come from, and what your sure. family life is like. Um, well, thank you first. This is uh, exciting. We're at this crossroads, I think, in Salt Lake City, and I, I love the city. It's been so welcoming for me to open uh, doors and uh, open arms. I was welcomed to Salt Lake City close to 23 years ago mm-hmm. when I moved here in 1996 to go to the University of Utah. I came here as a new American, an immigrant to this great country. and it's From been, where? From Mexico. Mm-hmm. Spring full of blessings and opportunities, and that's what I love about Salt Lake City. I, um, <clears throat> you know, it's been an interesting process to see the city grow. I mean, it's obviously mm-hmm. been a lot of growth since 1996, and uh, went to the University of Utah, got both uh, my business uh, bachelor's degree in business marketing, and then my master's in public administration from the University of Utah, and I um, love that institution. But um, more importantly, I made you know home this great place, and. Uh, it's been great. My husband and I have six children. Two of them are adults, and they live in Arizona. The younger, four of them. Uh, we have a 16-year-old, Carlito, so he goes to West High. Eileen, she's uh, just turned 15 yesterday, mm-hmm. and she goes to Roland Hall. And then we have uh, a five-year, uh, one that's turning five next week, and a three-year-old baby. So you're a hard-working lady. Yes, we are very busy, and it's a great thing. It's what makes I think Salt Lake City so unique is this opportunity to have. A, we live in a big city, but at the same time, you still have this uniqueness of family, 
And that's why I love Salt Lake City. I think we, like I said, we have uh, the opportunity to overcome a lot of the challenges that we're facing as we are growing. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, has to do with, you know, uh, making sure we have a Salt Lake City that's sustainable, a city that is safe, uh, which I think, is a, as we know, is a number one priority in city government is public safety. Mm-hmm. A city that is well managed, that is very critical as we try to operate and become an efficient, effective, sustainable city. We have to be uh, well managed. And in a city that's transparent and that provides an opportunity for all um, Salt Lake City residents, whether you live, regardless of your zip code. Yeah. And mm-hmm. as a resident of the west side of Salt Lake City, I'm telling you, this has been a big part of why I'm running is this opportunity to close some of those, you know, gaps between east, west, north, and south. And how do we become a stronger city all together? And it has to be very intentional. It has to become a part of the plan and the leadership. Um, so... A little bit of background, you know, I work for Zions Bank, so I've been in the mm-hmm. private sector as a banker for the last 13 years. Prior to that, I worked for the Huntsman administration, so I've been in the executive branch. Work in multiple nonprofits, Utah Domestic Violence Coalition, assisting victims and survivors of domestic violence, as well as uh, Utah um, Utah issues as a policy analyst on healthcare and making sure we were addressing issues of poverty, Medicaid, and the Disability Law Center, which was issues obviously related with uh, people with disabilities with a focus on health disparities. So I have a very broad experience. I'm a small business owner as well. So I I come with this really, um, I think, a perspective of what a city should look like in terms of services and programs, but at the same time understanding that this will be you need, in a strong city mayor uh, that oversees this is basically the CEO of a corporation mm-hmm. of 3,000 employees. So experience absolutely matters. But let me ask, what makes a mom of six kids, and maybe you didn't have all six when you became a senator, but why did you start running for office? Um, why? why? I, I think one was, at first I always like to start by saying I was never asked to run for office. I was 29 <laughs> when I ran for office. I became the youngest ever to serve in the state senate, the first Latina and the first immigrant ever elected to the legislature. And I've been there for 11 years. I love my work as a state senator. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I really felt there was a a gap of voices and the marginalized communities that they don't need to be invited to the table. They have been in other places creating their own tables and their own um, spaces for conversations were not being included in some of these pieces. I wanted to make sure we were addressing issues of health care, which was the number one issue when I was running for office in 2008. And, wow. you know, we've been through many different changes of healthcare. care. <laughs> yeah, and there, there is still, change. obviously, yeah. I mean, the crisis is still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just went through a big process with Medicaid expansion. So, you know, just why I wanted to make sure the voices were being uh, represented and more, especially the marginalized voices, had a chance to participate in that process. But what did your family say? I mean, what did your husband say? Did you have six kids at the time? No. No, so you had four? One. You only had one? one. Oh, yeah. okay. So I, we're a blended family. Oh, so, okay. But it, so I, I had one, and my husband had three from his previous marriage, and we kind of like combined, and then we have the babies. But what's so my husband has uh, was a mayor and a legis, uh, legislator in Arizona as well. Okay. So we all come from, all of our children had been born and growing up in public service politics so they politics. knew yeah, they, yeah. they all know this but you know it's so you you asked me if i've run for mayor before but i did run for congress in 2014 and had a baby a week before that congressional <laughs> election the one that i'm celebrating she's turning five um next week so i've 
I started working for Governor Huntsman with a newborn baby. Uh, so I've always been, you know, my life has always been about hard work. I've mm-hmm. always had two jobs. I don't, I mean, this is how I operate. Mm-hmm. But I also come from a family where my parents had to have two jobs to provide mm-hmm. good quality of life for us. And my parents were the, were the first ones to, um, you know, pursue higher education in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Their dream was to make sure their kids had a better access to the American dream, and they worked really hard uh, to make sure we had an opportunity to pursue higher education in this country. We came here as international students, my younger brother and I, and we, you know, he is he's great. My little brother is my only sibling, and he graduated from Stanford with a PhD in chemical engineering. He was a scholar. And a very overachieving family you have. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. you know, it, it's. I think part of it is is being inspired by parents that were. You know, engineers by trade. My mom was a professor her entire life. Uh, my dad was in banking, so we moved all over the country in Mexico. But he he worked so hard. They both worked so hard. To me, it's inspirational. They are still my heroes, mm-hmm. and um, they made it possible for us to be here. Okay, I, uh, we got to cut the segment a little bit short. We're going to come back and continue our conversation with uh, State Senator Luz Escamilla. She is running for Salt Lake City Mayor. You're listening to Voices of Reason. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Voices of Reason. This is Amy Donaldson. And uh, last uh, segment you heard from Luz Escamilla. This segment you're going to hear from Erin Mendenhall, uh, Salt Lake City Councilwoman who is uh, running for mayor. And, um, uh, you know, tell me why, what would possess a <laughs> successful, smart uh, woman to, first of all, run for any office because you ran for city council, <laughs> but then to decide, you know, I think I could run this show. I think uh, two big things. One, being in Utah, and when I ran the first time in 2013, I was looking at the landscape of women in politics here, which was 16% women. Of all the elected seats in the state of Utah, only 16% were held by women. And I'd been working on air quality for years, uh, built an education program through a nonprofit that I co-founded called Breathe Utah. That's in its 10th year now. And I'd done a lot of... um, legislative work on the Hill with Republicans and Democrats working to improve our air quality. And so the community in my community of Salt Lake City started asking me to run when the only woman on the city council, Jill Remington Love, who'd been the only woman 10 of her 12 years, was not going to run again. And I love meeting strangers. I like campaigning. I am comfortable knocking on people's doors. Um, And fortunately, city council is sort of the lowest rung in the ladder of government, closest to the people. It's really a good neighbor position. Mm -hmm. So I I did run. I didn't want to see an all-male city council. I knew that I had the kind of um, energy and expertise in air quality and connection to my community that I, I had a unique voice to offer the people. 
So it would, it went well. I won with over 80% in 2013. I did it again in 2017. And over the last six years, I've really come to know Salt Lake City government, our communities, how to have a hard conversation as a community and come up with solutions together. And we have some huge opportunities on the horizon as a city. Um, and I, I hope we'll be able to get into some of those today. Absolutely. Um, and we're going to actually take two days. It's gonna, if you're listening to this on the radio, it'll be two radio broadcasts. And on the podcast, it'll be two podcasts. Um, and I hope people do take the time to listen because it has been fascinating to go a little more in depth on some of these things. Um, but I'm just wondering, so you won re-election in 2017. Why did you decide that you needed to step in in the mayor's race? Because there was a lot of candidates. Yeah, and I was the eighth to step in. Okay. There were eight on the primary ballot. I came out on top. Um, and I... And somewhat unexpectedly that there were two women now. Well, you know, you know I, I mean, how much do you t- was- trust polling <laughs> is really the baseline question there. Yeah. Um, and I, I will say, tell you, I don't trust polling very much at all. Even yeah. good polls that came out in my favor yesterday. Yes. But uh, I didn't see any of the candidates who could tell me how they were going to take us there. Mm-hmm. Vision and leadership is not just saying what the problem is and why we should do something about it. It's showing us a path of how we can get there. And that's the skill and expertise of having worked in city government for the last six years, of having a master's in science and technology with an environmental science focus, where I know air quality. I get environmental issues, but I mostly know Salt Lake City business and how to work with the city council, how to agree to disagree, how to confront and tackle big issues with our community, whether it's about homeless services or affordable housing or fixing our streets or building a better transit system. This is all the work that I've been doing. So I felt like I had something unique to offer the voters, and it came out very well for us in the primary. Yeah. And so what I mean, when you say to your family, uh, hey, I think I'm going to do this, what is the reaction you get? Uh, when I when I first brought this up, they smirked because they knew that I I they believed I should do this, and they were excited that I was finally coming to that conclusion myself. What, I have an amazing little, family. Tell us a little bit about your family. My yeah. husband Kyle uh, knows politics because he was on the city council himself. I think okay. uniquely um, he gets what this is about. He gets as much as a city council person can what the job of mayor entails, mm-hmm. and. He is incredibly supportive. He's also a really good dad. <laughs> so <laughs> the kids are in great hands. Yeah. Um, I think they have more fun in the evenings that I'm not home and they're just with him <laughs> than when I am home. I think that's a universal theme. So dad, shows that I didn't fun. allow. My husband was like, oh, I didn't know these weren't allowed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You How had many, what for dinner? Yeah. What are, the, <laughs> what are the ages of your kids? 13, 9, and nearly 4. So they sort of expected that you would want to do this. It wasn't like completely out of the blue. Campaigning is a family pastime for us. (laughs) So my oldest two have been through two campaigns at least. Um, And our daughter, who's turning four soon, she's this is new to her, but she is excited in the strangest and most beautiful way, too. She we love the city. And I think part of being a public servant is part of the joy of it is raising the kids in a way that they feel ownership of their city, they feel responsibility to do good in the place that we live. How has being a public servant impacted your parenting? I mean, has it changed the way you parent? You know, it's changed who I am as a human being. 
I think that you walk into office on that first day and you have a half a dozen or 10 things that you feel really passionately about uh, advancing. And as it turns out, especially in a capital city, you end up with 97 other issues that you need to become a quasi-expert on and advance also. And uh, the humanity that you are exposed to, people in so many different circumstances, people who've suffered incredible hardships, who are refugees here in our city, people who were at the road home for years and are just starting to get back on their feet, people who have started new businesses in the city, um, who went through horrible permitting processes, but are passionate about being in the capital city and living, working, playing here. Uh, it's humbling. And the campaign path is one of the most obvious times that you get to have those conversations almost hourly to fall deeper in love with your city. That's the beauty of public service. I hope that people uh, listening will think about becoming public servants themselves. Well, and I think um, the other thing is, why should people outside of Salt Lake care? Because it seems like there is such a, if it, there is an investment in this city, even if you don't live here. The capital city is the capital city. We are the cultural hub. Um, we hope to be and remain the economic hub going into the future for the region. Uh, part of my passion is to build a tech ecosystem here in Salt Lake City the way that other cities across the country have done with intention by working with the universities and the business community. We need those high-paying jobs in our city. But we also are the progressive capital here that leads helps lead out on issues like addressing affordable housing and bringing diverse types of housing, not just to one part of our community as we have for too long on the west side of Salt Lake City, but creating access to opportunities for everyone. Great cities, not just in the United States, but in the world, have diversity built into them, economic diversity, diversity, cultural, racial, um, artistic. And that's where Salt Lake City, I think that's where our heart is, but it's where we need a leader who can really take us there as we grow. As the capital city grows, so does the state. And I've worked to build the relationships uh, between Salt Lake City and the other 246 cities and towns in the state uh, in a way that we haven't before. I joined the board of the League of Cities and Towns just over a year ago when I learned that Salt Lake City really only showed up when we needed something with those other cities and that we cannot operate that way and expect to have the camaraderie and support on big issues like the Inland Port when we haven't built the relationship. Well, thank you so much. Uh, You're listening to the Voices of Reason. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some more uh, issues that the city's facing that that impact the We are back with Voices of Reason. I am Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. And today we're having a candidate candidate conversation with Utah State Senator Luz Escamilla. She is running for Salt Lake City Mayor. And uh, we started out by kind of learning a lot about you. And by the way, there's a lot to learn. And between you and your brother Which, and your mom here. Jason yeah. and I feel like underachievers I now. Really <laughs> I, I thought I did pretty good for myself <laughs> until I met you, Luz. So there oh, you go. Thank you. So, no, I would like to touch just a tiny bit. We're going to move to some policy priorities for you. But... Um, you know that live in that environment. You said your parents eventually came, followed you and your brother here. Um, we, when I look at women working and women in politics, I always think like, oh, how do they do it? Like they have to juggle all this stuff. I mean, it looks like that's just your definition of like being a woman in this in this Life. time. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Well, and and I have to say, I, I a, you always surround yourself by a great support system, and this doesn't happen without great neighbors, great friends. 
right? I mean, life has ups and downs, and you just up for the ride, mm-hmm. and it really feels like a roller coaster sometimes. <laughs> but I, I've been truly blessed. I mean, I think there is this sense of community, and that's why Salt Lake City to me is so critical because I've built that uh, sense of community and that infrastructure of support and support system here in Salt Lake City. Um, through times where it was difficult, I mean, financially, because, you know, we all struggle and we've all been through our own journeys, getting where we need to get. And, you know, I remember working full time, doing a master's degree and being pregnant, literally having a baby two days after finishing my master's degree. And it's just to me, it was no family. Right. I mean, I was here by myself. Uh, my parents eventually uh, moved here and, you know, they um lived actually in San Diego for eight years and they were spending a lot of time after retirement. Uh, my dad turned 65 three years ago and was joined retirement, started spending half of the time here in Salt Lake City because he wanted to spend time with his baby, the grandbabies, the grandkids. And um, he actually got really ill and passed away a year ago, two-week situation, um, Really, um, still something that is it hunts me because I wish I could have done more. And he got a rare disease. Part of it was a complication of the air quality that really created a bigger problem oh, wow. of his respiratory issues. And, you know, it was also a, a August 2nd of 2018, that moment for me to go back and be like, what's going to happen for us? You know, I have asthma. My three-year-old has asthma. Is this what life is going to be here in Salt Lake City? And what does that mean for everybody that's breathing this air? Mm-hmm. So this uh, was one of the many pieces as we move into this mayoral race and making the decision to run because that decision was not easy. Yeah. Uh, it it includes everyone. It's a mm-hmm. family affair. Your whole no family is yeah, running. Of course, yeah, yeah. the whole family is running, and um, you know the older kids have a different perspective. The little ones. You know, they just know they miss mom, right? And, and this is like a busy schedule. And mom is in billboards, and mom, you know, is running for mayor. I mean, I love how they articulate at the age of three and four. I, you know, mm-hmm. it, but it's it's been quite the process. But more importantly, it's been a great learning experience for me just to see the amount of people that are really truly vested in a better quality of life. That's all we want. Mm-hmm. And we may maybe disagree on how we get there, and we may have different ideas, but I've never met someone that doesn't want a better quality of life, even for their neighbors. I mean, like, really, it is collective. Yeah. And that's why, for me, Salt Lake City makes it so great. One of the priorities that you've mentioned um, is youth and family. Like, what what does that mean, like, in policies? What can the mayor do to address right. yeah. any issues? It's something I start talking on day one. Huge motivational uh, piece for me to run for this position, and I'll say why. why. One is I want maybe to go back to my work in the legislature of 11 years, all the emphasis I've done on early childhood education, social services, been serving in those committees for the last 11 years, and after-school programs. So but what I know is that if in a family, and it doesn't matter how that family looks like or the structure of the family, if the children are not okay, even, if, you know, you're working so hard, you may have three jobs sometimes. I've met people with three jobs just to make it because it's so expensive now, our cost of living and housing. But if their kids are not healthy, if their kids are not safe, they're not able to be 100% productive. And I believe that if we start with strengthening families and individuals in their situation, whatever that looks like in for their family situation, we will be better. So part of our initiative is, one, the role of the mayor, I think, is critical in bringing a support mechanism for an early childhood education component. So what do we do? We start prenatal care. And I've you know, passed legislation addressing nurses at home where they are uh, touching families that are considered high risk based on their financial situation, uh, 
you know, whatever their, their situation is. And I believe that if we put healthcare providers working with moms and parents, if, if there's a two-household parent, that you can have a better outcome for children and closing those achievement gaps because those are very expensive at the time we want to intervene when they're in our public education system. So I want to see that <clears throat> we don't have universal preschool or in universal kindergarten, for that matter, in the state of Utah. We don't? We don't. I, I, I can, I, preschool, I get. I, I guess I always thought every kid had to start school at five, right? No. We don't have universal kindergarten. You start first grade. So, and this was a big battle during the Huntsman administration, actually, because he wanted to pass universal kindergarten. So, what we do, we do have options, right? So, Title I schools, obviously, uh, but we need more. Children are starting with achievement gaps in kindergarten. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, that those three critical years are so important. So, anyways, I, I have a whole initiative on this. Mm-hmm. And then after school programs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The city plays a role in making sure kids are safe between 3 and 6 p.m. More things happen to kids, whether it's teen pregnancy, gang-related activity, injuries between 3 and 6 p.m. So my program talks about that and also talks about education and how do we become a, um, you know, a coalition with our elected school board members and our school districts to have a stronger education, K-12. Uh, we want to be an education destination, right? I mean, we really want to make sure that people feel like they get the best education here in Salt Lake City. The mayor should be helping that school district get there. I want to have school nurses and counselors in every school. That's an initiative that's in my plan. And that's how we are connecting this piece of youth and family. So uh, we only have about 30 seconds left, but I, when you mentioned, uh, for instance, health in school, I remember growing up, we always had at least one school nurse in our schools. How did that, uh, is it just budget cuts that uh, kind of it is. reduce that? And the st- so the state legislature, and I proposed that last year, it was an $80 million um, fiscal note to put a nurse in every school. Mm-hmm. We have the lowest in the whole country of ratio of nurses to, to students. I want to make sure in Salt Lake City we actually become the model on how to do this. And it may be a partnership with you know, a healthcare institution, you know, interventional healthcare, university. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm having those conversations. I believe we can get there, and that will help us address the issue of teen suicide, which is a very, very large issue that we have. And our number one issue, why our youth between 10 and 17 died in the state of Utah. When we come back, we're going to continue to learn more about your priorities and hopefully learn a little bit more about you, uh, even though we, we've done pretty good so far. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, thank you for joining us, of course. You're listening to Voices of Reason. to the Voices of Reason. This is Amy Donaldson. Um, we are talking today with Erin Mendenhall, candidate for Salt Lake Mayor, current city councilwoman. I do think it's interesting that one of the reasons you ran, uh, you told me earlier, was because the only woman was not going to run for re-election. And then now we're looking at a situation where we have a female mayor and we have two candidates. Or, Never before. Yeah. And I think um, I think it speaks a lot to what we're, what we're wanting and looking for in public office and public servants. And I'm really excited about just the opportunity to hear from different people and hear different perspectives. I, I appreciate that. I think it is unique and it's worth noting on the, at the same time, I think if you would have, um, if we were just radio and there were no photographs in the media, there was no video content. I I believe that if you would have listened to the eight primary candidates, uh, that the two of us would have come out on top anyway, because the our ability to talk about the issues and to make proposals that resonate with the public. 
Um, so I, I think that the identity politics of it, that it's part of, you know, the cultural conversation for sure. Yeah. But ultimately, this needs to be about who has the real path to create solutions for Salt Lake City residents. I, I And I think that's an important point because in following that a little bit as, it, as we led up to primary, it was one of those things where you think these are great candidates. I hope they can win. You know, I, you mm-hmm. hear this now all the time. Is someone electable? Can they win? And I always think, you know, I wish we could just judge on what they are what we want from a candidate and what they're offering. Yeah. But hopefully we're getting there. But I just think it's a, an, an interesting moment in time. And uh, It is. As a 51-year-old woman, it's kind of fun for me. So. <laughs> as who's been the only one on many a, many a board and panel and department. So um, let's talk a little bit about your legislative priorities. Like if you had to – you mentioned earlier that you uh, helped co-found Breathe Utah – my introduction to co- to Breathe Utah was run up for air, which is a race. I you, love it. Yeah. Um, and I actually, he's Jared Campbell who started that race and I believe is on the board now of Breathe Utah. Yeah. He, uh, I did a podcast with him on, while well, interview with him, an amazing person, amazing race. If you don't know, it's in the middle of February. You run up Grandeur Peak as many times as you can and you're doing it. The point of it is um, we need the air quality here to be good. And one of the places, if you've been up Mill Creek and you get up high enough on bad day, bad air days here in Salt Lake County, you can see the very thing that we are all That's discussing. Right. Yeah, and Jared Campbell started that as a fundraiser and awareness builder for Breathe Utah as an organization, mm-hmm. and we are grateful. I, I was with Breathe for six years and helped to build it. Uh, filled a lot of roles there, but was the first and only employee for a long time. So if you've ever worked in nonprofits, you know you wear every hat that there is. You're doing development, you're doing programming, you're doing community organizing, legislative work. And That's actually interesting experience for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To Public office of wears a lot of hats too. Yeah. Um, but I, I think my opponent and I differ in these backgrounds too. That I came up as a community organizer and an advocate for air quality. I chair the state air quality board today. I'm the vice chair of the state's quality growth commission. I serve on the board of league of cities and towns. So it's very much public service is my it's my mm-hmm. lifeblood. Um, but air quality specifically. Yeah. And what can a mayor do about air quality? Yeah, actually, there's quite a bit. So if we if we zoom up to the top of Grandeur Peak, so to speak, and talk about climate change, carbon emissions, um, and the source of our energy that comes into Salt Lake City being primarily coal fuel, coal-powered power plants, they're not in Salt Lake City. They're not in our valley. But they're still contributing at that high level of emissions that affect our global um, atmosphere. And so next year, whoever our next mayor is, is going to be negotiating with Rocky Mountain Power for how soon renewables get into Salt Lake City. That's 100% net renewable energy powering everything in Salt Lake City. Right now we're set up for 2030. We need to get that sooner. Ralph Becker was negotiating for 2023. I hope to have that same uh, uh, year be our standard for when renewable will be here. If we zoom down the mountain and come closer into Salt Lake City, transportation is the, currently the biggest issue. We need to make it easier and cheaper for people to take public transit, and it simply isn't that way yet for most of us. Um, as the chair of the council last year, I helped to create the first revenue stream, ongoing revenue, 
to mm-hmm. buy up bus service from UTA. So today there's three circulator buses in Salt Lake City. That means they just go back and forth, 21st South, 9th South, 2nd South. We have one coming soon on 6th North, 10th North, and making it easier for people to get around and get out of their cars. We need that bus fleet as it grows to become renewable, an electric bus fleet to re- reduce the emissions from it. We should be growing our electric vehicle charging infrastructure, and that's something, fortunately, that we can receive grant money for. It typically doesn't come out of our taxpayer pockets, except maybe for a small match. Mm-hmm. And then zooming way down to your your driveway and your backyard, um, Salt Lake City should work with the Division of Air Quality to either replicate or expand their carrot program. And that's the program that allows you to trade in your gasoline snowblower or lawnmower for an electric unit. The cost based on or the cost comparison to the pounds of emissions saved is really good. And it's an incredibly popular program. We go out, fire up those snowblowers right after a storm comes through and clears out our inversion. And they're pretty significant sources of the most localized pollution. So from way up at the top at the carbon emissions with our renewable energy down to your driveway, there's a lot that our next mayor can do. I have a more exhaustive plan on my website, which is AaronMendenhall.com. You can go to policies, read up on air quality. Join us next time for the Voices of Reason podcast. If you have comments about our show, please email us at voramed at gmail.com or at jasonleel at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at abonsports or jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google, Apple, the KSL app, anywhere you find great content. Be sure to review our show as that helps us grow our audience, and we always love to get your feedback. Until next time, I'm Amy Donaldson. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to try to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.